Blessings, Angelina. Hey, I love that jackfruit. I love Chris. It's not too bad, hey? I, I can switch it around. I got a bunch of different ones. I didn't know. I got I got the durian. Of course, I got bananas. Yeah, yeah, of uh, course. Mandarin. Yeah, no, this is really cool. Oh, God. My favorite fruit is, um, what is that stinky fruit? Durian. Yeah, durian. Oh, my God. It's right. like eating dessert. <laughs> we'll, we'll keep it there then. I'll, 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 I'll let durian reign supreme for us on this talk. All right. Perfect. How are you so, doing? So welcome to my podcast, Chris. Thank you so much. Excited I, to be here. Blessed by you inviting me on. Yeah, I was, I've been so excited, you know, that we arranged this. And, you know, I've been doing a deep dive into different things, looking at other videos you did. And I thoroughly enjoy your energy and just the, the uh, amazing, just, you know, the light you share with fruit and it really does something. I mean, you're putting out there in the world, good light and energy. And I love it. And I, I'm oh. so, I was so looking forward to this. Um, I appreciate that. That's, that's awesome. I mean, it's, it's easy to share when you're feeling light and juicy and buoyant, you know, and things that really turn you up, you want to, you want to bring it out to the world more because, you know, feeling this way isn't meant to be done alone. Right. So we want to spread it out. Yeah, yeah. It's like I remember doing a fast one time, just a water fast. And then I was thinking, oh, how am I going to break this fast? I think it was, wasn't was very long. I think it was maybe 10 days. It was not that long. And um, I broke it with watermelon. Nice. And, oh, my God. The watermelon was so sweet. It was like I couldn't <laughs> believe how it tasted. It was just like I... I had to eat the whole watermelon. <laughs> it was amazing. They, they say nothing tastes as good as true hunger. You know, when you're, when you're really, really hungry and you've been water fasting, and then the first thing you eat, it's like, boom. And when it's sweet, juicy fruit, nothing beats that. Oh, my God. I was in heaven. Yeah, absolutely. So we be, before we get further into the interview, why don't you introduce yourself because, you know, I often get my guests to introduce themselves because they know what they want the world out there to know about them. And and you've yeah. done amazing things. Um, oh. and, and you're from Saskatchewan. I'm from Saskatchewan. <laughs> no way. Where in Saskatchewan are you from? Uranium City, the most toxic area in the world. <laughs> wow, wild. That's so crazy. A little bit yeah. up north. Yeah. Yeah, I'm in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. I was born there in 1980 and uh, at 17 moved out and headed west. You know, I went to Vancouver and Edmonton and Los Angeles and all over. And I've traveled and lived in a lot of places since then, but Saskatoon, Saskatchewan's my home. Yeah. Like, I'm, and now you live in Switzerland, right? Actually, Sweden. I live in Malmo, Sweden. Sweden. Oh, Sweden. Yeah. 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 So that's a long way from Saskatoon. <laughs> It's a little ways, but, you know, one of the good things coming from Saskatchewan is you can live almost anywhere and feel pretty darn comfortable because, you know, we have, we have one of the widest, uh, temperature, uh, kind of gaps that you can see. You know, like I, I don't know in your city, but I know in Saskatoon, we've had like minus 64 day. It was the coldest day in the last 10 years. Yeah. And we plus 50 on record. So you get over a hundred degrees, you know, yeah. Celsius, which is. It's pretty crazy. So here in Sweden, people are like, oh, why would you move somewhere cold? And I'm like, this isn't <laughs> yeah. cold. It's like 
Yeah. Maybe minus five to like plus 25. For me, that's almost like a perfect window. Yeah, no kidding. Well, I've been to Saskatoon. I went one year. I drove from Edmonton to Saskatoon. I was yeah. visiting, I was visiting um, a guy I was going out with. He was a professor, law professor at the University of Saskatoon. Um, And so I remember walking and looking for a place to have coffee. It was so cold. It was February and it's probably the coldest month. And it was freezing, freezing. I remember freezing my butt off, just walking, looking for a place to have coffee. That was when I drank It's crazy. And and it's kind of funny. People... People would be surprised, but, you know, like I used to work outside. I was still on the raw food diet at that time, but we didn't stop working until our nail guns, I was building apartment buildings and houses. We didn't stop until those froze up and that didn't freeze up till around like minus 40, minus 43. And, you know, and school, like school didn't get shut down until it was like below minus 40. So you're like, yeah, it's chilly out there, but people are getting used to it, and uh, yeah. they expect you to, be able to move and do things, even if it's minus 30, 35, 40. You know, it's yeah. crazy. Yeah, I think that, you know, when when you're younger, those variants in weather doesn't bother you. You know, cold or heat, it's just like nothing. But now, I always, like today in Ottawa, it's 30 degrees right now, and it's only yeah. 1 o'clock. Yeah. <laughs> so it's hot. It was very hot yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. It's a very. That's, that's just a sun tanning day. Hey, just a chill out and sun tan or just relax and yeah. sit by the pool or the water. Yeah. Yeah. And I live by the water. So I live by the Ottawa River. So oh, get nice. a little bit of cool breeze from the river. I was just at the ocean here today, just sucking up some warmth. It was plus 25 here, which is pretty darn hot for Melmo. Yeah, yeah. Well, the ocean has a different energy than the river. Like the ocean has its own spirit, right? And as they say, don't turn your back on the ocean. Especially if it's got waves, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I guess technically this is the sea, so we don't get as many waves as when you're on the the coast, you know, with a a bigger bigger bath or ocean. But still, you can get a little bit, can still get some spray, especially if it's windy. Yeah. 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 All right, let's dive into it. <laughs> All right, should I, should I introduce myself real quick? Yes, I guess, let's then? do it. So, so my name is Chris or Christopher Kendall. Uh, I'm 43. I'm from Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. I've been on a healthy path since 1999. That's when I first got into yoga and then got introduced to a lower fat, high carbohydrate, fruit and vegetable based diet. Uh, had a bit of a transitional period until I got to be all raw in 2003. Yeah, 2003. So it's been almost 20 years, not quite. And um, since 2000 and let's see, 2009, I started my own business, The Raw Advantage. And so the last 14 years, I've just been helping people with recipe books, uh, online coaching courses, retreats, festivals, all that kind of stuff, teaching people how to become healthier, happier with a holistic raw food lifestyle. Uh, I did go to school in 2003. That was actually when I just went fully vegan and then went raw. It's called the Canadian School of Natural Nutrition and got my designation RHN, which is Registered Holistic Nutritionist. Mm. And that's kind of me in a nutshell. I, I love skateboarding. I've been doing it since I was six years old. That's one of the main reasons I got into health and into yoga to better my skateboarding. Mm. 43 now, I'm still doing it and actually just recently got a professional skateboard and just love it. And uh, 
you know, so yeah, I just like to share this sweet, juicy lifestyle to help people feel better, uh, look better and think brighter, happier thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, when I was looking through, um, just doing background for this interview, what I really noticed about vegan, raw vegan people is how clear their eyes are. Yeah. Like your eyes are clear and, you know, especially the whites. Yeah. Look at that. <laughs> There's no red streaks in them at all. <laughs> it's really cool. Um, I mean, there's a lot of benefits to eating raw. And I know there's a lot of controversy as well, you know, um, yeah. about and especially about um, protein and complex proteins and that type of thing. And I remembered as a vegetarian, I was a vegetarian for 25 years. And um, people say, well, where do you get your protein? Yeah. I said, well, go ask a gorilla. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, they're, they're eating lots of greens and lots of fruits. And they're like, boom, like huge, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah. It's all about, and it's all about balance, you know? I mean, you can go crazy, I guess. I mean, you've gone crazy and eating tons of bananas. Like I've yeah. seen you. <laughs> I, I'm a monkey. I'm a monkey. I'm, I even got a banana mustache. <laughs> yeah, Call me the yeah. banana commander. See, so many dang bananas. But, yeah, 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 yeah. But but you're right. You know the yoga and breathing um, techniques yeah. really do help your body and how you think and how you feel. A few years ago, probably I was trying to think exactly when, but maybe 20 years ago, I had a a group of women, I invited them to my house and I said, you know, come over for the evening and we'll learn to breathe. What? Yeah. What do you mean we're going to learn to breathe? I've been this all my life already. What are you talking about? <laughs> I breathe every day. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But my friend was a Kindalini yoga teacher and a yeah. breath teacher and she wrote a book about breathing. So yeah. I invited her to come and show my my friends, how to do it properly. And yeah. she told a story about um, she got stung by a bee and she's okay. totally allergic to bee stings. And yes. because she knew how to breathe and slowed down her heart, mm -hmm. she was able to mitigate the damages of the sting until she got help, you know, for um, for that poison that was going through her, but it was because of her breathing and slowing yeah. it down really helped her a lot. And, and just reading that story, I know, well, this is true because I mean, when you, when you are in some kind of shock flight or flight, yeah. you know, um, mm -hmm. if you just breathe, even if you're, yeah, if you're in anxiety, just breathe, turn around and yeah and put your attention on your breath and you'll calm down because your body will know there's nothing to be afraid of. It goes right to Absolutely. your brain that you can relax and just- The yogis have known this for so long, you know, that our, our breathing dictates our mental, emotional state yeah. uh, to a very, very large degree. And, you know, science has caught up to it and, and it, does, it is, you know, like scientifically now shown the quickest way to change your uh, nervous system state is yeah. slowing down and just breathing easy, you know, because, yeah, you're right. When you're in fight and flight, you're like just breathing fast and shallow. And if you just mm -hmm. take note of that and relax, it's the quickest, surest way to 
relax your entire body and and go back into that uh, rest and digest and like kind of chill mode. Yeah, yeah, and it's uh, so I I find a uh, a lot of uh, things that I'm doing now is is all you know like you know um, regulating and feeding my gut bacteria, feeding feeding you yeah. know, and I remember my one of my brothers he used to say. I say, how come you never gain weight? He says, well, because mm. I have a pet pet worm in me, <laughs> tapeworm in me, and I just feed yeah. it, and it just takes care of everything, you know. And he's symbiotic relationship, eh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, and I, he didn't really know what he was saying was true, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And it is true. I mean, they grow and they're in us, but you know, you have to have that relationship with it where you have a balance. And Absolutely. now there's more and more talk about the blood-brain barrier, you know, through the stomach, through the gut, and how it impacts your brain. So Absolutely. I'm, you know, paying a lot of attention to that and, you know, creating the environment for my microbiome in my gut so that I have a healthy, healthy gut, you know. And exactly. part of that is eating properly. Absolutely. Yeah. De depending upon what we eat is going to actually uh, show the ratios of the different bacterium or gut flora in our digestive tract. And that vastly, vastly impacts our mood and our sharpness and even our intelligence and you know how we feel in general. And, you know, it, it's amazing because a lot of people talk about prebiotics or they talk about probiotic foods or they talk about you know, like pills and enzyme powders and all these different things, yeah. you know, not necessarily recognizing that fruits in general, they're, they're prebiotic foods, you know, like they actually feed the bike, the microbiome that we really, really want, you know, and leafy greens fall into that category as well. And, you know, all of them have different types of fiber that feed different microbes and having a nice diverse microbiome is really shown to be beneficial for immunity and for overall health. So it's a, it's a beautiful thing to, to live in that symbiosis and yes. we are more microbes than we are human and flesh, right? There's mm -hmm. so many microbes in us, on us and they're all eating and they're all hooping out stuff. And we want yeah. that to be good stuff that benefits us, right? Not, uh, yeah. not yeah. Stuff that us go crazy and go into a tizzy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, tell me this. How did you navigate the, did you do anything different during the pandemic to stay you know, strong immunity and healthy? That's a great question. You know, um, it's amazing. I, I feel like I've always had a fairly robust immune system. Uh, you know, when I was younger, I'd get sick once every year or so, sometimes twice. But I actually remember very distinctly the last time I got sick, and it was in grade 11 in, uh, in Saskatchewan. So that was actually, you know, in 1996. So I haven't been sick since then. And uh, I attribute that one to like having a fairly robust bus system, but even more so, you know, shortly after that, really starting to take care of my diet. I, I guess I could say that I was sick after that before I went into health when I was drinking a lot because I, you know, got sick from over drinking, but maybe that's not quite the same thing. But, um, you know, as far as going on when it was COVID, I didn't really change things up. Um, I, I always eat a ton of fruits, a lot of vegetables, and you know these are the most immune-supporting foods that are out there. Uh, drank a lot of juices during that time too, not necessarily specifically for that reason, but where I was in Saskatchewan, it was on sale and I could get really good deals for really fresh-pressed juices. And I can also actually say that 
I had in the middle of, uh, when was it? 2022, maybe when it was kind of just starting to tone down, but people are still doing a lot of testing and all that kind of stuff. I had one day where I woke up at about 3 a.m. with like a cold sweat and a little bit of a sore throat and a little bit of a headache, which is very rare for me. And I like went back to sleep and I woke up at 9 a.m. and I was still feeling that. So I just laid in bed and drank lots of liquid. And by around noon or one o'clock, I was clear. But during that morning, I, I tested and it showed positive. But then I tested again later and the next day and it was negative both of those times. So I don't know was a false positive or if I like got it, but my immune system just knocked it out in like six to eight hours or what. But um, yeah, I, I really didn't do much different. I just continued eating lots and lots of produce that was seasonal that I absolutely loved and making some tasty, simple uh, raw vegan recipes. So tell me um, what is, you know, like when you, when you're talking to family and family, I mean, for me, some of my family just don't get it. So yeah. I think, and I've talked to other, you know, vegans and vegetarians and raw food people, my daughter, for instance, like there's other people that just don't get it. And some are really extreme because I had told you my daughter had a juicery and she used to make yep. these amazing acai bowls in Hawaii, right? So the shaved ice and the beautiful fruit on top. So good. So good. Yeah. He made the best, the best. Um, anyway, at one time she had put bee pollen in it and yeah. customers got crazy because, you know, everybody thought, well, you're vegan. You can't have bee pollen in your acai bowls. And they just went crazy that she yeah. put that in. Right. Um, so yeah. there's extremes. Yeah, you know, for sure. You know, it's, it's really interesting because, uh, I mean, by definition, anything that comes from an animal, including insects, isn't vegan. So, I mean, they're not incorrect that it's not vegan to include bee pollen or honey in the SE bowl. Yeah. Um, some people feel the appropriate term is a, is a vegan, you know, if they you know are vegan, but they also include some bee products. Mm -hmm. Um you know, but it, it is interesting too, because I think a lot of people, I do a whole talk called, are you an angry vegan? <laughs> and I think sometimes people are a little angry when they first go vegan because they see the, the, the trauma and the magnitude of the dissonance, you know, and like how much pain and suffering is caused. And so rightly so, they're very angry about it. Um, but sometimes too, they can become incredibly judgmental, not only to others, but to themselves for their past. Uh, and very, very outspoken, which I, I think can be a beautiful thing. Some people need to be shaken and, you know, everyone's in a different place. So some of the most, uh, powerful tools for turning people vegan have been like really intense kind of, you know, um, videos or activism or anything like that. Right. So, yeah. um, I, I understand where both people are coming from. And at the same time, you know, it, it, there is a clear definition, right? So. Mm -hmm. It just depends on how stringent one is, you know, because yeah. for myself, I choose not to have any an, any animal products or bee products or anything like that, just because I, I really don't want to support that industry. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people actually don't know because a lot of people think, well, you know, we need more bees and that means we should actually be supporting the honeybees and all that yeah. kind of stuff. Yeah. But what they actually don't know is that honey producing bees make a small percentage of the bee population. And by trying to increase the honeybee population, 
we squeeze out the other 90% of non-honey producing bees. So it's actually detrimental to the pollinators and to the other bee populations. Yeah. Uh, and beyond that too, it's interesting. Most beekeepers, of course, there are conscious beekeepers that are a lot nicer and kinder to the bees. Yeah. But the vast, vast majority are, are definitely not kind to the bees. You know, there's lots and lots of bee deaths, uh, transportation in inhumane, uh, situations, smoking them out, uh, clipping the queen's wings and, you know, taking the honey and not leaving enough for the bees, which that's their food, right? So a lot of times they just eat sugar water. Yeah. And, for myself, since I'm out there promoting the lifestyle, I also recognize if I supported honey, then a lot of people would just go to the grocery store and get commercial honey. Yeah. And that would be supporting a very cruel practice, you know? So I, I actually have friends that are conscious beekeepers, yeah. but I still don't take part in that because nutritionally I have no need either. And I'd rather keep the bees food for the bees, yeah. just like the milk baby cows, you know? Yeah. Well, it's about balance again, right? Balance. Absolutely. Yeah. Balance and all personal choice, you know, but uh, that's the other thing that uh, is interesting because a lot of times people say, well, it's personal choice. We have a personal choice yeah. and the responsibility just focus on ourselves. Yeah. But the vegan stance on that is it's not personal anymore when it involves another being, right? So if it's, and being is kind of uh, tongue in cheek, but, you know, whether it's a cow or a lamb or a bee, yeah. um, it's not really personal anymore when we're involving them in the equation. Is, yeah. is the one to look at it. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's, um, I mean, there's all sorts of trap holes and different areas you can go. And I, and I think for me anyway, I don't buy into going into a anger stream. You know, I just let, and like, even for example, well, my, my background is I'm in a di- indigenous, I'm Dene. But I'm also a practicing Buddhist, so <laughs> so I'm I kind of you know describe myself as a Dene Buddhist. So <laughs> so I believe. Hello, oh yeah, that's the- got a Thai Buddha here, and then I also have a big happy Chinese oh, Buddha here. Yes, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. You got a few guys there. Yeah. Well, I remember I. I taught for a while at a Buddhist monastery close to here, meditation, insight meditation. And the monks there were are from Thailand. And one of them was going back. To, actually, I was going to go to Thailand. It was during the SARS um, breakout. And I decided yeah. not to go to Thailand. So he was leaving to go. And I said, oh, bring me back something from Thailand. And I was thinking, you know, a little jade Buddha, something really small. And he said, yeah. I'll, I'll bring you something. No problem. Anyway, he came back. He called me. And so I went to the monastery to pick up this little tiny jade Buddha. Mm-hmm. It was a big brass Buddha. <laughs> like no he, way. Yeah. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. And the, the monks don't allow women to touch the Buddha. Oh, wow. Or, I didn't know that. Yeah, so I had to bring my husband and he picked it up for me and I wouldn't, I, so I wouldn't touch it. Um, yeah. yeah, it's like when I used to take the monks to go pay their bills. So yeah. I drive them around and, um, but they would never sit beside me up front. It was like <laughs> I was their chauffeur. They sat in the back. Yeah. And I drove them around to pay their bills. They had, always had a big, they don't have credit cards and big wad of cash. And go around and 
pay their bills. And my son was at a daycare. And so I had to go. I was getting late and I didn't, I never, never like to be late when I have to pick him up. So I was, was late and getting this monk around town, paying his bills. And I kept saying, we're going to be late. And I was getting anxious, right? <laughs> we're going to be late. Yeah. You know, this little boy's yeah. going to be out there waiting for me. And he said, just don't worry. It'll just happen yeah. and we'll be there. Like, just relax, yeah. you know? Yeah. <laughs> and so I just kind of slowed down. So I got to the monastery, I mean, to the uh, Montessori uh, class. And there was, cool. my friend was in there. And I said, I can't stay long because I have to take my monk to finish paying his bills. And she hmm. says, oh, let me see. <laughs> she thought I had a, a Buddha, like a, a statue in the car. And before I could say anything, she ran out behind me to <laughs> open the door of the car. And she saw the monk sitting there. She goes, a real monk? <laughs> oh, it's a real monk. <laughs> That's funny. I don't sentence you here too often. I I, I got to hurry because I'm bringing my monk to pay his bills. I've, I've never heard that said in sentence. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. I'm, and I was really terrified that I was going to be late. And he did everything. And he's sitting there so calm. You know, he says, don't worry. It's going to be okay. Just relax. And and I was thinking, but you know, like we've been running around and I, I know the traffic. I knew what was happening and I was beside myself anyway, but he, we got there in plenty of time. There was no harm, no foul, you know, so there we go. There we go. <laughs> it all worked out. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Yeah. yeah. It's funny, right? Cause it, even if we are late, if we're in a calm state of mind, it only brings benefit to ourselves and those that we kind of come into contact with again. Right. So it's like. Yeah. Yeah, mind is is very prone to chatter and and intense and you know more uh, anxious kind of feelings, but it doesn't really bring that much benefit besides bringing attention to the point of focusing where we are again right now. Yeah, yeah, oh for sure. And that's you know sometimes people will say to me, "Well, I've tried meditating and I can't do it, and it's just because yeah. my mind keeps going." And I said, "You know that's okay. Let your mind." Yeah, that's what your mind is supposed to do. It's like, if I told you to stop breathing, that would yeah. be unnatural. You know, you can't do that. Same with the yeah. mind. You just allow your thoughts to come in. The whole goal of meditation is to notice. So yeah. you just notice, awareness. Okay, I'm thinking, I notice, and bring it back to your breath. So each time you do that, you're meditating, even Absolutely. if it's two seconds, right? Uh, Absolutely. Because a lot of time people... Two seconds is longer than a lot of people. Oh, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well, a lot of people don't even know or notice their breath. Yeah. Like, you can go... Like, I forget what the what the number is for how many breaths you take in a day. Thousands, yeah. right? Thousands of breaths. And we yeah. don't even notice it. We don't know when we're breathing. We don't feel the air you know, going through our nose. Like I, I was telling someone that was going through a difficult time and I said to her, just breathe. Hmm. And she says, well, I am breathing. I said, okay, well, are you noticing it? What does the air feel like on your nose? I said, yeah. does it feel cooler? And she stopped. It was quiet. And then she goes, yeah, 
<laughs> like it's the first time you ever felt the air going through her nose. Yeah. And I said, and how does it feel when you breathe out? Is it still cold? And she goes, no. I says, yeah, because it's in your body. So it's room temperature, it's not body temperature, you know. But often we're not even paying attention to that detail, you know. No. That's the part. We're up here. Yeah, we're up in our head all the time. Yeah. Absolutely. So. A really cool movie that I saw years ago. Uh, actually, I've seen it multiple times. Cause we've even played it at our retreats. It's called Way of the Peaceful Warrior. Have you ever seen that movie? No, I'm going to write it down. Really cool. It's a it's a true story, and the main character, if he is, I think he's still around. He still lectures and teaches on it. But he was a a college level gymnast, and you know, doing pretty well in that but got in a major accident and mm. he met a Buddhist monk who is actually Nick Nolte uh, in the movie, but probably my favorite role, Nick Nolte, who's a Buddhist monk in there. And he teaches him, you know, the way of the peaceful warrior and mm -hmm. stillness and attention. And uh, it's a, it's a powerful movie, you know, and I, I won't go too much more into it, but it's a movie yeah. I recommend everyone watch. Yeah. Well, I'll definitely look that up. I just watched a really interesting um um documentary on netflix this week called the what was it called um secrets of blue zones oh yeah cool cool i've read oh, books about the blue zones and i haven't seen that that uh, documentary on it yet though oh you have to see it oh that that's so inspired me because um after watching it kind of hit home because she they talk about you know the various tenets of of longevity and yeah. centarians in these different blue zones and one of them is socialization yeah also you know eating whole foods and um, having a purposeful life but they also talk yeah. about in the blue zones there are no elders homes mm -hmm. because they're very respected and and revered and and yeah they're not put away in a home, you know, like no, they're, they're not they're seen living. as a burden. They're seen yeah. as a blessing. Yeah. And they're, they're integrated in the community and they're, and the community looks after them. So, yeah. you know, they come to their homes and make sure they have food and they have, you know, their basic needs being met and socialization. So some countries, even in Europe, I think the Netherlands design their, city planning around encouraging these blue zone, um, I guess, tenants, you know, so that, you know, there's socialization, like they designed this one town so that everything is, people have to use trains. So they designed a courtyard. So people that are using the train have to mingle and come into this courtyard and they interact with each other. Right. Yeah, that's cool. That's I know. Really cool. I, yeah, that is so cool because they're, they don't even have to think of it. It's just, you know, people need to go on these, um, these trains and they need to pass through this courtyard and they end up socializing, stopping and talking with each other because they're meeting there. Right. Absolutely. So I started to think about, um, you know, in Canada, we have a number of, elders homes and i started thinking about well what's going on and how is it being 
managed, you know, because the this documentary talks about the longevity of a person that is entering into an um, elder's home is 18 months on average. So sometimes more, sometimes less, but within, you know, little over a year, you're going to be dead after you enter because they strip you from all these things you need to, to feel alive, your purpose, your socialization, the good food, you know, because they give them crap to eat basically, you know, same within hospitals. You know, when I was in the hospital, I remember my cardiologist came by and he looked at my train. He said, you're not eating. And I said, yeah, I'm not. Look (laughs) at it. Would you eat them? And he said, no comment. (laughs) I've been in the hospital, unfortunately, more than a few times over the last seven years uh, with accidents and stuff like that. And, but I've had people bring food in for me and I've been really blessed. The doctors and the nurses and everything allowed, you know, allowed us to bring in whatever we wanted. And they even put extra bags and, and boxes of fruit in the refrigerator or in the room. And they'd bring me, I'd be like, Hey, can you bring me cherries? And they bring me like pounds of cherries. And yeah. You know, yeah, so. yeah. Well, I remembered a friend of mine. Um, she came to visit me and she said, so how's the food? I said, well, not very good, you know, but, you know, I didn't complain. Um, she says, oh, well, when I come tomorrow, I'll bring you some food. And so mm-hmm. I said, okay. <laughs> so she, she worked downtown, so she, it was accessible for her to stop in. So she would stop in every evening and bring me food. And I said, well, let me pay you for the food because, you know, like it costs you time. Yeah. So let me pay you. And she said, oh, no, no, no. He said, that's fine. I, I, you know, you've invited me to your home. You fed me. So that's fine. Don't worry about it. So the next day she came, she brought me food that she made. <laughs> so nice. I couldn't say, you know, you're spending money. <laughs> she yeah. cooked me a meal and brought. And I said, oh, this is so kind of you. I says, why are you doing this? She said, and she says, well, she's from Rwanda. She says, in my country, we have this saying, especially after the genocide, right? Mm -hmm. Um, She said, nobody gets left behind. Even in the community, if somebody said, don't bother me, don't bother me, the community would show up. And if somebody was pregnant, they showed up and helped them with, you know, the pregnancy and after the baby was born and helped them you know, with food and it was the way they, they lobbied together to support. And that's what community is. And it seems like that is lost in today's culture. Like, I don't think people think of, um, you know, if somebody's a shut in, like I've been pretty shut in for the last since, well, since COVID, right. And I don't think, Anybody's showed up at my house to bring me a meal, bring me a bag of oranges or something like that, you know, unless I requested it, you know. Yeah, lots of lots of fear spread, right? And like uh, just fear of being together, and and it's really sad what has what has transpired and how it shook a lot of people. Oh yeah, it did, and it really did a number on people's mental um, 
fate, you know, and how they feel about society now in terms of what this did to them. So it's, that's a whole nother conversation, definitely. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and with that, you know, like all to really living as healthful as you can and instilling all of these things we've been talking about that the blue zones and holistic health and hygiene kind of bring into play so we can feel our best and not live in fear, you know, and rise up and be examples for other people. Cause yeah, the, the mainstream is kind of going in a direction of more fear, more separation, more mm. judgment, you know, and yeah. just suppression of symptoms rather than dealing with the root cause and, and yeah. trying to live the healthiest, most connected life we can. Yeah, yeah. And I fell into that trap as well. I mean, you can't help but fall into it, right? So I also yeah. felt, you know, the fear and well, especially because I had a stroke, you know, just before the pandemic. So I felt vulnerable. And so I did feel I, I remember a brother was driving um, close, close to where I was. And he says, I'm going to stop by and see you. I said, don't, <laughs> you know, <laughs> not right now, not right now. No. come after it's all done, <laughs> you know, but, yeah. you know, so I also fell into that fear and I think fear also reduces your immunity. Yeah, well, absolutely. Your natural immunity, it, it decreases the strength. So that's part of it as well. Uh, yeah. yeah. So it's, it's kind of crazy, but uh, that's, that's where the world is. Absolutely. Yeah. Fear puts us into our reptile mind and it gets us, you know, like uh, not really using the, the, I think it's the prefrontal cortex. Like we don't make as intelligent of decisions and we base things more off of emotion and it depresses our immune system and yeah. Yeah. Yeah, all those things. Right. It's uh, mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Well, I was thinking, you know, as I was looking through this raw food, what is the danger of oils? Because I used to use, you know, like olive oil, sesame seed oil, avocado oil in my salads. Yeah. But after I've yeah. been talking to you, I haven't used any because I, oh, I'm just awesome. say, you know, a squeeze of lemon or lime on my the salads that I prepared, and I haven't used any oil. But can you explain what the danger is of using olive oil? Yeah, you know, I can I can go into a little bit of that as well as the benefits of using the whole food, and that's that's generally what I focus more on. Yeah. Um, specifically with olive oil, it's it's interesting that you know there have been there have been tests done on various really good quality brands of olive oil, yep. and the vast majority of them have been shown to be cut with a bunch of other cheaper seed oils, and it's actually pretty hard to find a really really pure quality olive oil. Um, and if we're talking about a, a really good pure quality olive oil that is, you know, cold pressed and stuff like that, the main negative that I personally see is one, the balance of fats that are in there. You know, we're looking for a higher omega three ratio than most oils provide, mm -hmm. but also two, just the ability to get so much fat in such a small amount. Like we're getting loads of calories and pure fat. You know, a lot of people don't realize, but when you move towards health and we're talking about health, mm -hmm. one of the words or phrases that is championed is whole foods, you know, like get away from processed foods, let's move towards whole foods. Yeah. And, you know, somehow though, we're told like oils are super healthy, but they're an ultra processed food. Like 
all the fiber, all the water, all the vitamins, all the minerals, yeah. you know, they're removed. And sure, there is some degree, but it's a, a shadow of what is present in the whole food, you know, and mm-hmm. um, I'm a big proponent of a lower fat raw food diet. And I only say lower because most people are actually on a pretty darn high fat diet, no matter what diet they eat. Yeah. Uh, higher fat is really healthful for us and our insulin function and our immune function and so many other things, our athleticism, cellular oxygenation. Yeah. The main thing I guess I have really with oil is uh, one, you know, that it makes it way, way too easy to get way too much fat in the diet at the expense of so much other nutrients and nutritional qualities that we get from the whole food. Not to mention, I mean, like, um, let's say olive oil compared to having some whole whole olives on your salad. I'd way rather whole olives or you know avocado oil I'd, I'd way rather have whole avocado it's so much more delicious yeah uh, now the other part of that though too is if we're not just talking about like a you know the highest quality of olive oil or say flax oil that you can get you know most oils have a very poor omega profile um you know and most of them also are heavily processed and use you know bleaches and different kinds of things to in the processing of the oil itself um, you know, oils can go rancid a lot easier because they don't have the brand and the coat to protect them or the seed shell to protect the volatile oils. Yeah. So, um, you know, and a lot of them are just really, really poor quality that, that aren't really foods. They just are more products. Right. So, yeah. um, hmm. to me, it's, it's as much about what are the benefits of the whole food compared to what is wrong with oil. It's just, yeah. I'm like, Focus on the whole foods and all the benefits they bring in terms of flavor, nutrition, and satiety. Yeah. You know, and uh, you know, most people aren't looking to get more calories and to gain weight. Most people are looking to either trim down or maintain a weight. Yeah. And it's way easier to do so when you introduce the whole food form rather than uh, highly processed, pure fat oil, which is you know is the highest calorie per tablespoon food yes. you can put on your plate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I totally get it while you're talking, you know, because usually when I was preparing, because I never bought salad dressings in the bottle, I always made my yeah. own. But even so, you know, I'm looking at, you know, ounce of oil, right? And then the same amount of apple cider vinegar. And then, yeah. some, then I would add like lemon or lime. But, you know, over if you're eating three salads a day, that's quite a bit of oil you're consuming, right? So I totally Absolutely. get how easily it is to overeat that amount of oil or even Absolutely. putting oil. I used to love putting oil on a plate and just getting sourdough bread and just dumping it. it in, right? <laughs> and yeah. it that way, right? But can you Absolutely. imagine how much oil you can consume? Because it's delicious. Absolutely. It's a, it's, it's a lot. And, and- you know, getting excess calories from fat of any source, you know, it impedes insulin function and the, the cellular oxygenation, as I mentioned. And, you know, it's, it's pretty wild because it's an easy switch, you know, like instead of having the olive oil with the lemon juice or the apple cider vinegar, you can just blend in a tablespoon of hemp seeds or, you know, of, of tahini, you know, or yeah. anything like that. It's a much better choice and it has way more flavor as well. It does. Uh, and you find you don't really need to add as much either to get the same result because it's got the the fiber and stuff and it creams up and gets really delicious. So that's, yeah. that's generally what I focus on and recommend for people. Yeah, yeah. And I know that, I mean, what I've been doing too, 
I don't know if you would agree with this, but I love watermelon. <laughs> so when yeah, I'm having watermelon, watermelon I always add a tiny bit of salt yeah. because the salt just kind of activates something in it. So it's, it's sweeter somehow. I don't know how yeah. that works, but it does taste sweeter. Well, salt, what it does is it uh, excites or stimulates the taste bug, but so it makes everything taste a lot more intensive, you know, yeah. but uh, salt, much like oil, you know, a lot of people say like, Oh, but we need oil or people say, Oh, we need salt. You know, even like doctors will say like, we need salt. I know. And the reality of both of them, like for the oil, it's like, no, the reality is we need essential fatty acids and we can yes. get those from whole foods. We don't yeah. need processed oil. And with salt, you know, the reality is, yeah, we need sodium, but we don't actually need salt. We can get all the sodium we need from plant foods. Yeah. But, um, but salt in itself is it's very stimulating and it's very uh, flavor enhancing. So it's, yeah obviously widely used, uh, especially in processed foods or on foods that wouldn't be palatable otherwise. Yeah. But uh, another another that's really fun too is if you add lemon or lime to watermelon or or any food, it acts very similar to the salt and that it kind of stimulates and gives the, a richer flavor as well. Yeah, so yeah. sometimes when people are trying to reduce their salt intake, you know, it's clear a lime or lemon is really helpful too. Yeah, yeah. Well, I find that, well, my husband has high blood pressure. So, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm always concerned about the salt intake for him, that I find that it's easier to manage your salt intake when you're eating whole foods, because Absolutely. it's not in there, right? You eat an apple, there's no salt in it, or maybe there is, I don't know. But there's, I don't think there's added salt in whole food. I mean, some have no, natural no. salts, you know, but uh, yeah. uh, they have this. They still have sodium uh, in the organic forms, is bound by carbon, which makes a big difference in how the body metabolizes it. Yeah. And and we have a definite sodium need. Uh, it's just you know the sodium chloride found in salts isn't really received the same way or beneficial to the body. Uh, so you know, rightfully so, you know, if he has uh, high blood pressure. A good a good way to help with that as well, and this is one of those kind of uh, raw food tips. You know, it's the simplest simplest form of yeah. you know sharing a, a keen message on raw food is if you're trying to do a raw food diet and you're reaching towards cooked carbohydrates or fats, you're not eating enough fruit. You're not getting enough calories from fruit. Yeah. If you're reaching towards salt or like potato chips and salty food, yeah. you're not eating enough vegetables. And once you get enough fruit. And once you eat enough leafy greens to meet your sodium needs, because sodium is the richest in leafy green vegetables and tomatoes and celery and stuff like that, mm -hmm. then all of a sudden, both of those cravings go away and you feel more balanced than ever. Yeah. And some people like to dehydrate celery and blend it into a salt that they can use because that's, again, utilizing organic sodium. So it still tastes salty, yeah. but it's a, it's a lot better for you. It isn't detrimental for, for high blood pressure. Yeah. And I've also even used a cool uh, product called Green Salt, okay. which I'm not affiliated with or anything like that, yeah. but I've used it. I enjoy it. It's, uh, I think you can even find it. The website is just try green salt, T R Y green salt. Okay. And all it is, is it's a sea asparagus, which is actually grown on land, but it's yeah. grown near the sea and they use seawater on the soil because it grows well with seawater, but it uptakes the sodium into the plant. And becomes organic sodium so sodium rich yeah. but it's in organic form and they just dry the sea asparagus and powder it yeah. 
and it's a, a low sodium salt alternative that is is much healthier than actual regular salt. Hmm, okay, I'll look that up. Yeah, sounds sounds uh, like a good tip. <laughs> It's pretty neat, pretty neat stuff. Yeah, yeah, well, and, you know, when you're thinking about raw food, I mean, you're basically thinking of, you know, fruits and vegetables and just eating it without cooking it, right? Because once you cook it, you, it loses some of its nutrients in that process because then it becomes processed. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the interesting thing is like, Raw food at its simplest is just like you said, it's just like fresh fruit and vegetable right off the tree, right out of the garden, eating in yeah. its full natural state. But within there, there is a lot of uh, leeway, you know, and, and dependent upon the view of the person and their personal, uh, you know, uh, I guess philosophy, you know, it can include juicing and freezing and even yeah. dehydration below certain temperatures and uh, blending and mixing and making recipes. So, you know, for myself, I'm a raw foodist, but I'm a chef. And, you know, I like to just eat bananas or just eat, you know, mangoes or durian like I have behind me, just eat them as is. That's, yeah. that's to me kind of the simplest, easiest, most fat food on the planet. Yeah. But sometimes I like to make different stuff. And like I make pizzas, I got some pizza crusts in the dehydrator right now. And I like to make lasagnas and noodles and stews and chilies and curries and wraps, anything you can think of. So. You know, sometimes when you say raw food, people just picture you eating like a carrot and a banana. It's like, <laughs> you can do that, but you, you don't have to be in uh, taste bud jail and just eat just those things. You know, you can really broaden your horizons and, you know, make uh, similar dishes to all your nostalgic favorites and feel better and enjoy your food, you know, because food is for enjoyment. And I wouldn't yeah. still be doing this almost 20 years later if I didn't really love my food, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, I've seen, you know, on TikTok, there's a lot of information. I always say to my son, oh, I'm I'm going to go do a little lesson plan and I'll open up TikTok. <laughs> mm -hmm. You know, and TikTok has some really interesting, I saw this person make um, a wrap, but just use spinach and blend it, yeah. the spinach with a little bit of water. And I don't know if, if she used something else and then put it in a pan, lightly um, fried it. And then it formed like a, like a pancake wow. and a round. And then you, yep. she put her vegetables inside it, rolled it up like a wrap. And yeah. that was it. And you know, so that looked pretty good. But I know with spinach and also with kale, if you eat too much of it, it can be a problem. Well, spinach more so than kale. Spinach is high in oxalates. Yeah. And uh, the, the good thing is, you know, like, I mean, some level of oxalates is totally healthful, but yeah, you don't want to be eating spinach day in and day out, especially raw, actually. Um, when you cook it, it actually removes a lot of the oxalates, especially if you boil it, that kind of boil it or steam it, that removes the most. Yeah. Kale is actually a fairly low oxalate food, but a lot of times, too, it's really, really fiber, like, really high in fiber and not too juicy and harder to digest and lets it's fresh and young. You know, if yeah. you're if you're growing yourself, it can be pretty darn delicious. Mm. But uh I think the best staple greens are more the lettuces and you know stuff like uh Napa cabbage and bok choy. Things are lower in oxalates, yeah. iceberg even romaine, you know, Boston bib, butter, all those guys, celery, you know, they're uh you can eat them in as much as much of them as you want. But yeah. the beautiful thing about our bodies is they're so dang intelligent. 
if you're paying attention, especially if you're eating simple meals that don't have a lot of condiments or don't have a lot of things that kind of overstimulate, your body gives you signals. And when you start to get sick of a certain food, you're like, you're not enjoying it as much as you first were. Hey, it's time to move on. It's time to rotate. You know, if we were in nature, we would have been forced to rotate because there wouldn't just be one variety available for six months straight like we have now. Yeah. But when we're, we're in the Garden of Eden again. So when we can get anything at any day, it's really beneficial to be paying attention. And you don't enjoy it as much yet. Try something different. You know, enjoy the differences and all the different flavors and, and nutrient densities and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And also just like paying attention. Like one of the things that I learned is just when you slow down and, you know, say if you prepared, you know, a big plate of, I don't know, grapes, just yeah. have it sit beside you for a while without eating it. Yeah. And your mind will go to it. Your, your, your taste buds will start yeah, salivating and it'll get prepared for it. Right. And then you, absolutely, and then you, you just eat it slowly. And then when you pick it up, like just notice it, you know, how it feels and the texture and that's preparing your body to receive it. Right. And absolutely. Then you eat it and then, it's like complete, you know, like it's, it's a whole process. And I, I find that in, in our quick society, we're moving, moving quickly. We're on to the next thing quickly. We don't slow down enough to enjoy what's really in front of you. You know, you can gobble up a bowl of grapes and not even remember eating it. Where's those grapes? <laughs> and you yep, absolutely. I mean, people have all had that experience with bags of chips or or different, you know, yes. fast food stuff like that. And you know, I'm I'm definitely a, a big believer in awareness and making food and life and in general in meditation. Yeah. And you know, for myself, that was actually one of the biggest turning points in letting go of cravings was yeah. making food a meditation and choosing to really honor myself and my choices and the experiences I wanted to have. Because what I've found is most people, like you said, they're not present. They're two steps ahead and just in a hurry and just you know, distractedly doing what they're doing now. So they're just up in their face. And, you know, what I found was those foods that we say, I'm never going to do this again, or yeah. those, those behaviors, I'm never going to do this again, but we find ourselves doing them again. What I've found is that most of the time people are stuck in those behaviors and patterns because they're not really accepting them. You know, they feel bad about them. They have judgments around them. They have judgments on themselves about them. And so when they do them, they're not present. You know, they're like doing it quick. They're having a conversation. They're watching TV, yeah. you know, doing anything but actually experiencing it. Mm. And what I found was when I, I opened up acceptance for myself that, hey, this is something I want to experience for some reason. Let's be present. Let's make it a meditation. Yeah. And when I make food a meditation, if it's something that doesn't serve me, I'll know right away and I easily can let go of it. Whereas if it feels amazing and I enjoy it, I'm drawn more and more to it. Yeah. So it doesn't matter if it's, you know, a choice that isn't for our highest health or if it's a choice that is for our highest health. If we make it a meditation, we're way more likely to let go of those things that aren't serving us with knowledge and the actual experience. We actually experience it. So our body's like, okay, that's what it was. Okay, I can let that go now. Yeah, you yeah, know? yeah. No. We'll just want to eat more and more and more because we feel amazing doing it and it tastes great. Yes. Well, I want to kind of go back a couple steps. You had mentioned that you had been in a hospital a few times, but I do remember that time you had that motorcycle accident. Yes, and that was yeah. quite serious. 
Oh, yeah. Uh, near how, death for you, sure. First of all, let's explain how it happened and yeah. then how you recovered. Yeah, for sure. So that was in 2018. Uh, me and my Sambo were going to, we went to the gym. We're working out. I actually hit my personal best. I was benching my body weight for three sets. And that was like my personal best at that time, feeling good. And we left and we jumped on my motorcycle. And that's the last thing I remember. Uh, mm-hmm. I was told after about a minute and a half after leaving and driving, we were on the highway, which is just kind of on the edge of town, going back into kind of the main part of town. And the speed limit was about 60. So it's going around 60. And the light had just turned yellow, but it was at that point where it was more safe to go through than to slam on the brakes and stall. Yeah. But the truck going in the opposite direction towards us, they also were likely just looking at the yellow light and not noticing us. We were the only people in traffic. And they sped up and turned left into the yellow light, which meant they turned left directly into us. Mm. And so the bumper hit us both in our shin on our left side. And um, I hit the hood of the truck. There's a half-ton truck with my shoulder. And both of our legs, the left legs, got damaged so much that the medical report or the hospital report said mutilated left legs. Um, Both the fibula and tibula completely broken in half, bones coming through. her, her femur also was broken and had a tear in her hand, which was covering my kidney, probably saved my life because that was, you know, it hit her hand instead of my kidney. Yes. And, uh, you know, woke up in the hospital and my first words were, you know, was it my fault? And is Camilla okay? And I found out it wasn't my fault and that she was okay, but she was going into surgery. Uh, that lasted, I think, nine hours for her. As soon as she came out, the same surgeon performed seven hours on me and he did an amazing job on both of us. Uh, and um, Dr. Sain, you know, bless him, he saved our lives. And, you know, I was in the hospital then for 11 days, and she was in there for 40 days. And um, we were very lucky, though, you know, like I said, we had people supporting, support around us, visiting us, uh, bringing the amazing food, bringing her amazing food. They actually did have a vegan option in the hospital, which was good quality. So she she was getting good quality vegan food as well as a bunch of the fruits and veggies that uh, were brought in by my parents and friends and stuff like that. Um, I went home after that. Actually, yeah, I went home after that and lived in the living room for a while and went back to the hospital every day to visit Camilla. And as soon as we were able, we went into rehab. I did a year of full-time rehab. She did like over two years of full-time rehab. And, and by full-time, I'm not kidding. It was like, you know, eight hours a day, six days a week in the gym, you know, slowly building up a whole bunch of things and also having some massage and acupuncture and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. Yeah. And, uh, you know, my, my rehab specialist, my surgeon and my chiropractor, Dr. Dorian, who also helped me out a lot. Um, they all were incredibly optimistic and, uh, pleased with my recovery. Mm. Uh, you know, said if, if everyone recovered like you, we'd have the easiest job in the world. And, you know, on average, what they said was that I, I was healing about two thirds the time of the average person. And, you know, I've recently done a talk on this, you know, like speed healing with raw food. Yeah. But the reality is, you know, like most people just heal slow because they're living a lifestyle where their body is dealing with the lifestyle they're leading yeah. rather than being freed up with the normal amount of energy your body can have to heal in a more expedited way, you know, so, mm. um, one of the main reasons I got into raw food was to heal faster yeah. and I wouldn't still be doing it if I didn't, you know, cause I, I've, <laughs> yeah. 
I've hurt myself more than almost anyone I know of skateboarding since I was six years old. Yeah. And, you know, it, it is really amazing when we get out of our body's way and we give it everything it needs to. And we pay attention to other things like good sleep and, you know, other movement and, uh, you know, active rehabilitation, all those things. Mm-hmm. We can heal up a lot faster than most people think is possible. Yes. I totally agree with you, Chris, because our body is designed to heal. Absolutely. It, yeah. It has an innate ability to heal. I mean, you just look at it cut in your finger within a day that closes up and new skin grows over it, right? It wants to heal. That's what it's designed for. It's designed to live, right? Yeah, absolutely. You're right. You know, we need to just get out of our way and allow the body to do the natural healing that it's designed to do. Absolutely. And it's amazing though, when when something as traumatic as getting hit by a truck happens, it Mm. takes a lot longer to heal than you'd think, you know, like, I remember like when I was in the hospital that first day, I was like, do you think I'll be good to go to a fruit festival in two weeks? And they laughed at me. I'm like, maybe I will. I'm like, but there's another one a month away. Surely I'll be there by then. And like, I can't even imagine like a month after the accident, it was still very painful to just, you know, use my crutches and get to the hospital to visit Camilla every day. And it wasn't until a few months after that I could even imagine being on an airplane and you know, doing all the little things that you take for granted that take much more energy and effort during travels compared yeah. to when you're really injured. So yeah. um, I'm still seeing benefits now, five years later. Uh, I can say I'm probably at like 98% healed. And some things are better than they were before the accident because of all the rebalancing of my muscles and, you know, going to the gym a lot more regularly and rehabbing and stuff like that. So like I fractured my back, I think 14 years ago, and had major back issues for a long time. But after the accident, because I, you know, rebalanced, gave my body a break from skateboarding and started doing squats and deadlifts, my back's almost brand new now. You know, it's like, it's really crazy, you know? So um, a lot of times, you know, we we need also the restructuring and the rebalancing exercise and rehabilitation knowledge to be able to give our body even the best chance to heal. Yeah. Well, and I, and I think the key is, like you said earlier, is to listen to your body. Like even as you're eating food, you listen to your body and whether or not this food is serving you well, if it's healing or if it isn't, you'll know just by your reaction to what you're eating. Um, And I think that's really, really important. I'm finding that, you know, as I look at this journey, um, it's, it's really exciting at the same time. And I just wish that I didn't live so far away from those fruits, you know, like, because in Canada, Ottawa, like I keep looking at, you know, where the fruit has to come from. And I'm most often pick the fruits that are closest to me geographically because they're not in those trucks. Even if they're organic, they're not sitting in the truck for whatever the duration is for the, you know, the travel to get to me. So I'm looking for, you know, closest food. But when they're not in season, I get to crave, you know, some good fruit, you know, even pineapple. And sometimes I think that how they're, you know, pineapple itself takes almost 18 months to grow, right? Yeah, at least a year. Yeah, yeah, it takes a long time to grow. And so um, when I get a pineapple, even if it's organic, sometimes I have a suspicion that it's been frozen. Hmm. because when it 
by the time it feels like it's ripe and I cut into it, it doesn't look the same inside as it would if you, yeah, if you picked it off. A lot of times they pick it too early and that makes a big difference. It makes it much more acidic and uh, pineapple is one of the harder ones to get really good quality and, and you still can, but you got to know like, you know, some of the good, good tips and trips, tricks to, to how to pick it. Cause it is one of those crops that is, is grown year round. So there isn't just like a pineapple season. Yeah. Yeah. But they often do really pick it too early. So it's like, it, it comes down to, was it a good crop that they actually picked? Did they pick it too early? And can uh-huh. you really differentiate an early picked one and not, right? And yeah, yeah. Um, that's one of the big learning curves with this lifestyle too, is like yeah. really getting to know every type of fruit and the seasonality and, and yeah. how to pick amazing ones. And yeah, you know, it's wild because like I've, I've lived in the tropics and I've lived in Saskatchewan and I've lived in mm-hmm. Vancouver. I've lived in LA. I lived out here in Sweden and yeah. traveled through, I think like, at this point now, probably like 35 countries or more, maybe 40 countries. And yeah. find I can find good fruit no matter where I am, almost no matter the time of year. Yeah. Um, but it, it does take some time to to develop that kind of sixth sense, you know, the, the yeah. fruit hunter kind of energy. Yeah. And, um, you know, with uh, locavorism kind of versus like, you know, getting stuff from other places. Because I've had some people kind of say like, like, how can you buy fruit that was shipped from, you know, like Ecuador or from somewhere else like that, you know? And the amazing thing is even getting tropical fruit from, you know, say, uh, you know, if you're in Canada, you might be getting it from Costa Rica or Mexico. Yeah. And, and sometimes here, actually, I get from Dominican Republic or Costa Rica. When you do the math, it's still better for the environment, you know, to be getting tropical foods shipped from the tropical kind of equator to any other part of the upper lower hemisphere. Yeah. Uh, than it is to get anything that has a bag or a box or a can, you know? And so unless you're really just like going to the farmer's market and getting potatoes all winter and carrots and stuff like that, <laughs> yeah. even still, it's a very similar choice because fruits and vegetables are the least damaging and least, uh, uh, least resource using of the foods per yeah. calorie on the planet yeah. because three dimensional, the roots go deep. So they're getting water from down there and rainfall is their main, uh, main source of water. Yeah. Um, but it's really amazing because it's like, you know, uh, not only can fruits and vegetables feed more people, but they have the least environmental and resource impact. Yeah. So it's like, so it's a shoe in to be picking fruits and vegetables. Yeah. Well, I find my biggest challenge here is is picking from my own garden mm. and waiting too long. Because if I wait too long, the chickmunks or somebody else grabs it. So I'll go out and it, I've got some heirloom cherry tomatoes and they look perfect the best. Them tomorrow and then yeah. i go out tomorrow and see that they've been picked by somebody else somebody else yeah. i don't know who it is but someone's eating my tomatoes but yeah. uh <laughs> that's you know they're good then right if, if they're picking them you know they're good so. yeah and i think darn i should have picked it up you know and i'm planning to bring in my herb garden into my house so that i can have them growing all year round and yeah. maybe they won't get stolen because I don't plan to bring in the chickmunks for the winter. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, I won't sometimes have... that's the trick too, is uh, is planting in plots so that you have like, you know, really strong herbs around the tomatoes, you know, like, yeah. like a oregano and holy basil and stuff around yeah. them. And then they smell that and they're like, no, I don't want any of this. Yeah, then, or marigold, know. I think is really, you know, a deterrent really for some. 
Um, yeah. But as I'm noticing the time, we're kind of getting up there. But what I wanted, but I'm just having such a good time talking to you, Chris. Me too, me too. Absolutely. <laughs> um, and so before we end, what I would like you to think about and to answer, and I ask most of my guests this question, whether they're young or old, what type of legacy do you want to leave behind your imprint on the world and how you are uplifting people? Like, what are you doing for others that you want people to remember you for? That's a really great question. You know, I mean, I think at the heart of it, um, you know, that health is our natural birthright and, you know, mother nature has our back, you know, and uh, it's through attention to, you know, uh, attention to nature and attention to, you know, bringing attention and attention to what we're doing in this world that natural health is the result. And, um, you know, I, I guess my legacy I'd like to just leave behind that, uh, you know, living healthful is incredibly fun and it can be uh, filled with child, childlike adventure and uh, that nothing feels as good as being healthy is. And it's, it, it's awesome. You know, like I just wish that everyone would want to do the same and, and treat themselves as exceptionally as they deserve to be. And I think mm-hmm. everyone deserves to be treated amazingly and we'd all wish it for other people. Mm-hmm. But uh, I'd like, I'd like to think that maybe through my example, people will want to treat themselves as well as they deserve and you know, just give themselves as much love as they possibly can, thought, word, action. And, you know, eating Mother Nature's gift is love in action, you know. So the more fruits and veg we can put in our body, the more we're going to exhibit and exude love. So just hoping for that for everyone. Yeah, no, that's, that's really, really great. It kind of reminds me of um, there's this... M- Vietnamese monk, I guess his name is Thai. And he says, you know, when you're eating, say that tomato from your garden, you're actually eating the sun, the clouds, the wind, right? You're you're eating nature, right? And it without the sun, you wouldn't have that tomato. Without the wind, without the rain, the tomato wouldn't exist. So it's looking at not only the holistic food, but the holistic universe, like, you know, that paradigm that we are interconnected and, and we depend on each other, you know, we're interconnected. And it's really, I think that's the message that we're, we want to put out in the world is that um, we can be healthy, but we can't forget that we don't exist in isolation. No. Yeah. Everything is connected. Absolutely. 110%. Yeah. And, uh, and the way I always love to end my podcast, um, you know, well, I mean, I definitely, you know, just give gratitude and appreciation for you being here and connecting today and having this conversation with me, but also to acknowledge that I am recording from unceded Algonquin territory. And I always give that, I mean, some people say, you know, land acknowledgement is just words, but when I say it, it really is, it's meaningful for me because I earn my livelihood because the Algonquins allow me to live on their land. They give us work because they're our clients (laughs) and it's really meaningful. And I really do appreciate that I'm allowed to do this 
and have this beautiful life where I can interview amazing souls like you, Chris, right across the world in a different country and talk about really something that sustains us and fills us, not just our physical body, but our emotion and our mental state. And I really, really appreciate that you make time for me today. And uh, yeah, this is really great. And do you have anything that you wanted to add that you wished you had said, or you've never said on any other podcasts and interviews that you want to put out into the world? I don't know about uh, if I've never said it, but we in the beginning, we talked about protein. And usually when people ask, like, where do I get my protein? I, I usually just show them the guns, you know, and just like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm worried about protein, you know, but yeah. um, I, I will just because that's usually the biggest question, you know, about raw food and then about veganism in general. Yeah. And uh, I would just really simply say, like you said, you know, like the apes, you know, the chimpanzees that are closest to us, they primarily, they're frugivorous creatures, you know, fruits yeah. and vegetables are the mainstay of their diet. And a lot of people don't really realize kind of the same as like when we talked about salt or we talked about oil, mm-hmm. but people say we need protein. We actually have zero need for protein. What we need is the essential amino acids and you know, all whole foods have essential amino acids and yeah. through getting a mix of fruits and vegetables. We get all of them. I mean, all vegetables have all the nine essential amino acids, mm-hmm. most fruits, and, and uh, it's they're in perfect ratios as well. You know, fruits contain about four to eight percent of their calories from amino acids. Yeah. Mother's milk is around five percent. You know, and that's yeah. when we're building uh, our body up the fastest rate when we're a child drinking mother's milk. Yeah. You know, green vegetables. You know, they can be twenty-five to like thirty-five percent amino acids. You know, so. It adds up pretty quick when you're eating all the fruits you care for and eating until you're totally satiated and eating lots of vegetables. Yeah. You, you get enough and you can mm. build strong muscles, you know? So yeah. that's uh, one kind of concern that I want to hit head on. Yeah, no, that, well, you're living proof that it worked. <laughs> you know, like you've recovered, you've injured yourself, you've recovered, you continue injuring yourself if you're still out there on your yeah. skateboard, you know? So. Yeah. You know, but just protect your noggin, protect your brain, you know, absolutely. You, you don't injure like, that. Like you said, it's, it's, it's about more than diet, right? It's, it's always about lifestyle, you know, and like yeah. you can be on a raw food diet and be living a horrible lifestyle and, and not exhibit high levels of health, you know, and yeah. you can be on a, a fairly poor diet, but be really connected to your community, have strong faith and like have a good exercise program and be exhibiting higher levels of health and vitality. And somebody on the healthiest diet. So yeah. it is about holism and recognizing that everything is connected, uh, not only with ourselves and our lifestyle habits, but the world around us. And the more we feel embraced and mm-hmm. nourished by Mother Nature and the world in general and our community and families, yeah. the better health we're going to have and the more light we're going to exude, the more love we'll experience in our lives. Yeah. Wow. That That is so true. And I think that, you know, it really is about you know, what we're putting out into the world, right? You know, and living a, a good life and eating well and treating each other well, that's all part of it. And I'm, I'm, I'm really excited and I'm glad that I live in this time, in this world, like this yeah. time. I could, I, you know, I could have been born, you know, a hundred years ago. I don't know. Maybe you were. And maybe I was, yes, <laughs> you never know. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, and who knows what the future is going to be, you know, um, 
but I'm really excited about life. I'm excited about the work I do, and I'm excited about the people I meet. I'm, I think that that's what makes life worth living is when you're doing purposeful work, if you're doing work that lights up your life and your eyes, you know? Um, but yes, yeah, so that's, yeah, we could go on and on and I could talk forever, but. <laughs> oh, maybe another time. I, yeah. I, I still agree with you, you know, I think uh, once you start just seeing things as things and don't have excitement about the difference of every, like every moment is totally different. You know, there, there's never dull moments as long as you're actually open and aware. And when you let go of that excitement in life and things turn gray, that's when you start to turn gray, you know? So I think yeah. that yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. It's finding that excitement. And if you don't have it, well, finding something or someone that sparks that excitement in you, you know? It's a, yeah. A beautiful thing. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's so true. That's so true. And I love what you said about, you know, like having that playfulness and child like attitude, you know, because when you look at a child, you don't have any children, do you? Or do you? No, not that I know. Yeah, you would be. I don't. <laughs> not that you know. <laughs> yeah, um, but you know, like I find that when you have children, they keep you young because if you watch them, they're excited about life. You know, yeah. they see. I remember my son. We live in. You know, I live on in an area that has a lot of trees and stuff. So he'd go running out. He had this little, um, call it, he'd call it the bug forest. So he'd go run into the forest. He'd come back and he came back one day. He would pick bugs up and put in the little, this little house that he had. He brought it in and he says, okay, I brought, he says, I've got something that I picked out. And I said, what is it? And he goes, come see. And I looked at it and it was a snake. (laughs) He put a snake in his bug house. (laughs) It came came to a buffet. It was just like, oh. I guess he he had bugs in there and he had to feed them. I don't know. But uh, that was kind of, um, yeah. yeah. Anyway, I didn't like the snake. But it's just that childlike enthusiasm, right? So. That keeps you young too and keeps everything fresh and exciting and fun. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think life is designed to be fun and, uh, you know, it's a beautiful thing that the things that nourish us are pleasurable, you know, whether it's, I mean, all, all the things that actually are healthful are, are really pleasurable, you know, whether we're talking about procreation, which is obvious, or we're talking about yeah. sustenance and eating good food or sleep or even going to the bathroom. It feels good. You know, it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But what a gift, you know? Yeah, yeah, I know. You got to look at life as as opportunity to recognize the gifts that you're being given, because we have yeah. the brain, right? So we remember these things. We can we can um, appreciate them, and uh, that's what we need to do. Be grateful. Um, but yeah, I think this is all we focus on, right? It's all yeah. we focus on. Yeah. Sure. All right, Chris. Well, thank you so much. And um, we'll we'll do this again. Maybe after I've had some experience, you know, have a longer term, you know, being raw vegan. And we'll see how, what manifests in that. And we'll, Sounds good. Hopefully. Whenever, whenever and however you'll like is good to me. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you so much. Thank All, right. Have an awesome All right. Thank you so much. Thank you. Okay, bye-bye. See everyone. Thanks. Bye-bye.